UN Today and Here's London present Health Today, a series of interviews with health professionals who tell us about their personal experiences, their responsibilities at work, and their vision for the future. Today, we talk to Michelle Maillard, gastroenterology specialist at Clinic Cecile in the Here's London group. Michelle, thank you very much for your time. Let's start with the, with the question that defines you as a person rather than a professional. What can you tell us about yourself? So, uh, my name is Michel Maillard. Uh, I'm from Switzerland. I was born around here in Lausanne, actually. And I grew up in Morges, in, so the city of Morges, which is bet between Lausanne and Geneva. Um, in more in uh, in the countryside, uh, I'm in a f I was uh, I grew up in a family of four. My father was uh, involved in the the, the the pharmacology industry, and uh, my mother was a biologist, plant biologist. So I was already interested in this field, but at the time I was just in general interested in uh, many different things. Um, and uh, yeah, I pretty much uh, grew up uh, around here and uh, I uh, like to do very different things. I like to travel, I like to do sports, so a little bit of uh, hiking in the mountains or skiing in, in the winter. I also like uh, running, um, I do some tennis, so very different things. I also like cooking. Uh, going out with friends, socializing, seeing movies, so, and uh, and I'm I'm quite uh, interested in uh, in interrelationships. So I'm, I'm I like to discover new people, uh, discuss with them, know about their backgrounds. Uh, that's usually uh, something I always enjoy. Thank you very much. Now uh, let's go let's go to your professional side. What exactly is your responsibility at work? I'm a gastroenterologist, so I'm involved in the management of all uh, digestive diseases. And uh, gastroenterologists, we are have one part of our activity where we do consultations, where we see patients, we examine them, but we also perform endoscopies where we can uh, non-invasively or, or minimally invasively uh, check whether there are problems in the digestive, digestive tract and once I have diagnosed a disease I usually try to take care of these patients through various approaches with, with drugs or uh, we can also address the patients to a surgeon uh, for specific diseases and uh, as, you, as you probably have as you probably know, I have uh, a strong interest in uh, inflammatory bowel diseases. And uh, these diseases are chronic diseases, so I have a large number of patients that are suffering from these diseases that I follow on the long term. Since they are chronic diseases, I'm also managing them uh, on a day-to-day -day basis just to, to see whether their disease is stable or to try to help them recover and, and cope with this uh, chronic state. And thank you once again. And based, based on, uh, on your job responsibility that you just described, how do you imagine your role in 10 years from now? 
I think that currently we have uh, the tendency to group all patients into one big box and to put them all together in, in a very broad approach. And I'm, I'm a strong believer that we need to better define each individual per person. And this is called personalized medicine, which is currently very uh, important in, in oncology, for example. So we have this approach for oncologic diseases also in the GI tracts or in the liver, but we don't really have this for other disease and diseases. And for inflammatory bowel disease like Crohn's disease, we try now to better define inside of the group of Crohn's disease each individual patient based on different profiles, the immunological profile, the microbiota of this patient, or even the external factors like the, the nutrition, the diet, stress, all these things are very important and each person can then be really an, an individual and can be taken care really per se. And in medicine so far we have had big studies with thousands of patients into one group with one drug and then we draw conclusions but this is a very broad approach and I'm thinking that in the future, we will have a better, uh, a, a more personalized approach where we can really define for each patient what would be the best treatment, but also the best way to monitor him or her and, uh, and then adapt to his or her condition. This is, I think, important. Then, of course, we have also a lot of uh, technology coming up. We have. Uh, artificial intelligence, which is budding now, but this will, be, this will be much broader. And for these tools, if you think about the genetics, the immunology, uh, all the, the pictures we have, scanners or MRIs, all of this, we will need to have an AI, uh, an in, 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 uh, artificial intelligence approach to try to make sense of all these tools. So it's going to be a mixture of going back to the patient itself. And this is where I think as humans, we will be always necessary. So I don't think we'll be replaced by computers, but we will use uh, computers to help us guide our decisions because things are getting too complicated our, for our brain. Okay, so where do we stand regarding celiacs? Uh, do we have to increase the gastronomic options and all the restaurants need to increase their menu, the, 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 the options that they have in the menu and, 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 and the bars and, and uh, the supermarkets and, and, and so on? Or we try to develop the cure, if any. Where do we stand? Um, well, it's hard to make a choice. I would say it would be good to have both. <laughs> Um, but uh, if you think about the options that we have uh, in the restaurants, I think everything is there. We have so many different options to obtain food. So I don't think that we need to expand the options. But one of the challenge that we have now as GI specialists is to educate the, the people that are cooking. And this is where the challenge is because most of the the restaurants or cooks, you tell them to make anything, you give them any ingredients, they'll make a fantastic food out of it. But they need to know what to pick. And for celiac disease, 
uh, as you know it's related to gluten and some of them I would say actually uh, probably a, a lot of cooks don't have an education on what contains gluten mm -hmm. also the, the ingredients but also the way they should process the food yeah. for example if they cook something with gluten uh, somewhere else they have to clean their dishes before they move to something gluten-free and then you have otherwise a risk of contamination mm -hmm. so I think that's where it stands we have an, an initiative with uh, uh, some um, so some people in, in Romandie try to develop this and work closely with closely with restaurants to give them a sort of label, a free gluten label, to try to make sure that a specific restaurant is certified. But it is hard to really know how uh, you should certify which restaurants, what are the rules. So this is, I think, one important aspect. Mm -hmm. So I don't think that expanding the options would be the first thing I would do in the restaurants, but more trying to educate and maybe give some borders uh, and, and, uh, and try to have um, for the patients uh, a list of restaurants where they can go safely or at least some criteria for them to know, okay, this is a safe place for me to go. Okay. And, and in terms of treatments, uh, I think that, you know, I've, I've been reading a lot about this and I've also been involved in some, some trials and one of the main problems that we have, which is not a problem, but the gluten-free diet is so efficient mm -hmm. that it's going to be hard or almost impossible to find a treatment that is as efficient as the diet mm -hmm. with no side effects. So you have to compete with the diet which is 100% efficient and absolutely no side effects apart the quality of life. Mm -hmm. So I think in terms of treatment it would be to develop uh, an approach where a celiac person can sometimes uh, have an exception where he can or he, she can have some gluten okay. and eat something before and, and some uh, some drugs are in development to try to help this uh, and to help them in terms of contamination to still be fine. That okay. could be interesting. What would be some, some concrete and innovative examples of prevention to avoid digestive diseases? Let's say if we need to choose one, if we, if we need to go through cancer, let's say. Um, what could you what could you share with us about about prevention towards that particular so case? most uh, gastroenterologists are very active in preventing uh, colorectal cancer and this is done with currently with two different approaches either you can try to detect blood in stool and this can be done every two years, or you can do a colonoscopy, a screening colonoscopy. And the advantage of the colonoscopy is that we can detect polyps, uh, and polyps are uh, benign, but they can over time develop into cancer. So I think that in terms of innovation, it's really to be able to detect these polyps as earlier as early as possible mm -hmm. so that we can remove them and we know that if we remove the polyps correctly 
we can reduce the cancer risk by almost 70%. It's not 100 because there are still some places of the, the colon where we don't see well if it's behind folds. So our, our efficiency is not 100%, but we are almost 90% efficient to detect polyps. And this is also in terms of innovation, something that is currently very uh, important in uh, gastroenterology where in terms of imaging, we have now high, high, defi high definition, so big screens, very good quality of image uh, with our endoscopes. Also, like I said before, the uh, artificial intelligence, which helps us to detect polyps on the screen mm -hmm. and guides our vision to detect this. Mm -hmm. And then even analyze the image and tell us if it's a high risk or a low risk polyp. All of this will help us to protect patients from uh, cancer. And uh, I think that this is uh, something that will be even uh, more important in the future. Probably that we will also have other options like uh, stool markers or maybe blood markers that, are, uh, that could be a really nice approach also to complement what we, what we are currently doing. But the colonoscopy is very important because it's therapeutic. You can really mm -hmm. remove the polyps and then uh, protect the patient. All the other approaches are really to diagnose or detect early uh, polyps or cancer. Mm -hmm. when, you, when you mention as early as possible, what age would that be? The recommended Good question. Age? So uh, currently in Switzerland, we start the screening at 50 because epidemiologically, that's where the first cancers arise. But uh, there is a tendency to move earlier at 45 years old or even 40. For example, in the United States, they now do it at 45. And in Switzerland, it's still under debate. It's also uh, based on each country has its own risk. So we are evaluating this. But since uh, 2016, we have a very active program in, uh, in screening for colorectal cancer which is quite efficient and we currently start to see the, the number of uh, colorectal cancer cases in Switzerland uh, reduce. So we start now to see a protective effect on the population okay. because we started six years ago. Okay. So I'm I would say if you ask about the age, I would say 45 maybe and 50 for sure. Okay. And uh, a very, a very silly question, maybe, but is the same age for women than for men? Or no, it's not. It's not a bad question. Actually, something I never think to to say. But uh, we all have a colon, so <laughs> so each gender needs to do it, and the risk is quite similar between the two. It's the same. Sex. Okay. Yeah. Um, when it when it comes to Crohn's disease. Is it something? It is. It is something that 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 can be treated, as uh, everybody knows. But uh, is it something that we can get out of? Can we can can we terminate it? We'll be able to terminate it in the future. So it would be fantastic. You know, uh, this is a, a disease that's been discovered a little, little bit less than hundred years ago. And it's been 100 years we are trying to cure it and we didn't find anything yet. You know, it's a state, it's an autoimmune disease. Most of us consider it as an autoimmune disease. So like other autoimmune diseases, there is an involvement of various factors, the environment, 
The nutrition is probably very important in, in Crohn's disease, the microbiota, the immune system. So all of these things are currently being investigated to see whether uh, they can be adjusted to try to help the patient. I think that once we know the trigger a bit better, so really the cause, then we'll be able to maybe try to find a cure. But currently, we are just seeing the disease sometimes a bit late and it's already a big challenge to try to come back to a state where the patient has no symptoms. Then it's, it also depends what you, what you, how you, you define cure. I would say uh, it's probably uh, a life without any symptoms related to the disease and probably without treatment. But I could imagine something where you could have the patient having no symptoms and maybe a very minor treatment, like if you think about hypertension, most people would be okay to take one pill in the morning to prevent hypertension. If we come to something like this for Crohn's disease, I would say that's already would be a really good step. And this is something that will probably be achievable in the next five, 10 years, I really hope so. Because we have more and more drugs coming, more and more approaches. And I think that at the end, we might come to a state where with a minor treatment, you can stabilize the disease and maintain patients in remission long-term. Mm. That would be the challenge, but not completely achieved yet. Um, what new developments in terms of, of new treatments for digestive diseases would you Could you could you share with us if there is something that you are aware that is in a in either in an early stage or in a an, an advanced stage to either to cure or to to finally cure or to to have a, a new a new way of treating it? Um, is there any is there any particular research that you that you have in mind now that uh, could could give us some light and hope? So, um, <clears throat> you know, the, the gastrointestinal tract is uh, colonized by a large number of bacteria from the esophagus to the anus. We have a large amount of bacteria and I find it really fascinating that we just maybe 10 years ago discovered how we can really well study this microbiota and I think that's the new Uh, angle that we need to tackle in the future and it's also something that I would see is coming up uh, to try to first analyze the microbiota to better define various diseases. It can be cancer, it can be inflammatory bowel disease, it can be any food related food intolerance. All of these diseases we now have another approach including the microbiota before we had mm -hmm. sort of completely left on the side this and now we know how to study it yeah. to define it and we need to find a way to modify the microbiota mm -hmm. and then you have now various approaches either you change completely the microbiota with fecal transplants mm -hmm. this is a process where you take the stools from a normal person a person that has no GI disease and you transfer the stool to your patient. Yeah. This has been used efficiently for at least one disease, the Clostridium difficile uh, colitis, mm -hmm. which is an infectious disease. The rest is 
been not very uh, successful because we, I think we don't select correctly the patients. But uh, once we have a, a good way to select the patients and yeah. maybe also to select the donor of the stools, it could be interesting. And another approach which is sort of in the same direction is the development of new next generation probiotics. You know, probiotics, they have been on the market for a long time, but now we have new formulations based on what we know um, in, the, in the GI tract and in the microbiota. Mm -hmm. And I think that once we have these formulations that have been developed based on our current knowledge, maybe these will be more efficient than what we have currently. So I think that could be one angle that one will be uh, relevant for us in the future. And clearly the patients, when I speak to them, they are really interested in this approach because they see it as more biologic and more uh, 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 natural, mm -hmm. more healthy than a chemical. So I think that also for the patient, it's going to be easily, uh, they will accept this treatment also very well. Okay. Thank you so much for your Thank time. Thank you.